Hello and welcome to Data Driven. In this episode, Frank and Andy speak with Christopher Willis about how artificial intelligence can help big brands create congruent content across cultures, languages and writers. One quick word of correction, Frank made the assumption that CPO was Chief Product Officer, Chris is actually Chief Pipeline Officer in addition to being Chief Marketing Officer. Acrolinks currently does not have a Chief Product Officer. Frank should know by now what happens when you assume anything. I'll have a chat with him later. For now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can think of us like Car Talk because we focus on where the rubber meets the virtual road. And with me on this epic road trip down the information superhighway, as always, is Andy Leonard. How's it going, Andy? Good, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a um, beautiful Tuesday morning here in the D.C. area. We're recording this on September 28th, and I can't believe it's already October. Almost. Almost Gosh. October. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been beautiful fall weather. Uh, mm-hmm. The past few days here in uh, sunny Farmville, Virginia, and um, really enjoying that. Got a lot of outdoors work done the past few days, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, we just uh, built a trampoline for the kids, and nice. um, that was uh, <laughs> was a lot of fun because the instructions were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get one with that big net around it? Yes. From bouncing mm-hmm. off and yeah because otherwise it should come with a coupon for a free cast free cast and free health yeah that'd be funny yes that's right yeah um so without further ado i'd like to introduce we have this awesome guest today uh we've been really lucking out on terms of folks coming to us and and suggesting guests for us which is yeah. uh quite refreshing actually <laughs> uh <laughs> um so today we have with us christopher willis Acrolink's uh, Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Product Officer. Christopher is an expert in technology, marketing, and brand alignment with over 20 years of experience with some of the world's biggest tech names, including Perfecto, KPMG, and Cambridge Technology Group. And through his work at Acrolink's, he's become a renowned thought leader on the topics of content governance and brand alignment. He's also an expert on AI and how AI can help big brands create congruent content across cultures, language, and writers. Acrolinks uh, creates tools for developing content that feels human, relatable, and compassionate. It's already used by some of the biggest brands in the technology world today. So welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. I'm excited about your trampoline. Well, thank you. Thank you. You should come on down. I think you're on the East Coast, somewhere (laughs) in Boston. I am outside of Boston, yes. Awesome. Cool. Cool. You never know because sometimes people will put where they used to live on LinkedIn and not update that. So, nope. Haven't gone anywhere in what a year and a half ish. Right. Not right. Lot, not a lot of travel. Yeah. Year and a half in the two week lockdown. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, welcome to the show. So, so um, tell me about what. Um, so, you're a CMO and a CPO. That's, that's, um, that's an interesting mix. I, I can see how the two are related, but can you explain kind of like what it is you do for Acrolinks and maybe a so, little bit about Acrolinks? So I do a bunch of things. Um, I, I, I joined the company to run marketing. 
and marketing has a lot of reach um, in this organization because of what we do and who we sell to. Um, so I reach into pipeline, I reach into uh, the product process, own product marketing in there, um, and come from a background where this approach really resonates and makes a lot of sense. And the way that we collect and build and use data um, is very aligned to uh, the way that I've, I've built content in the past. Interesting. Interesting. So um, the product um, at Acrolinks, it, it, it uses AI to create content. So, so like, what does that do? Is it kind of so NLP? we are, we're improving content. So improving. we're, we're about being um, improving the quality and effectiveness of enterprise content. So the easiest way to think about what we do is everybody that writes, everybody that owns a content organization, whether that's um, in a development group with technical documentation or product manuals or marketing content, enablement content, internal education, all these folks have a whiteboard in their office. And on that whiteboard are all the components of language, the way that they want to create their content. It's the tone of voice, it's the clarity level, the education level of their uh, of their readers. It's the amount of, of compassion, emotion, inclusiveness that they want in their content. It's the words that they want to use and that they don't want to use. It's all up there on the whiteboard. They feel good about it. They've defined essentially the voice of their group or their organization. The problem with that whiteboard is that it's in their office and nobody can see it. And even if they could, we don't have a writer's pool in the world anymore. We're all writers. When you go to work, a byproduct of your work is content. And so as a marketer, I get my best content from folks that don't touch marketing. They're just smart people that can create. So they don't they don't care about what's on my whiteboard at all. And when we were, I mean, the last seven or eight years, you talk about the, the potential for the digital shift. And I think everybody's been using that as a marketing buzzword, like digital shift is coming, you gotta get ready. Um, and I don't know if anybody ever really thought it was coming, but it was a great way to sow some fear into our prospects that if you don't modernize, the world's going to change. Holy crap, March hit last year and the digital shift arrived. And now your only touch point with your consumer is through digital content for some period of time. And it became really apparent to folks that how you communicate matters. And then all the things that happened last year um, from, a, from a social standpoint, um, language took on a very lead role. And how do you as an enterprise ensure that you're communicating in the voice of your audience? And that's where Acrolinks comes in. We look at terminology, we look at, at style guidelines, voice guidelines, um, to be able to create this essentially central lexicon of how to communicate as a business. And then either your writers in real time use Acrolinks in their sidebar in, what, in whatever authoring tool they're using, whether they're using something like Madcap Flare or Adobe products or Google Docs or Microsoft um, or anything in a browser, um, you're able to use Acrolinks in real time to check their, your content. Acrolinks checks for all the components that it's learned from your organization to create great content and provide you with a score. You can improve over time or uh, through automation. So think in terms of uh, continuous process, continuous um, deli uh, delivery of content. I'm checking content in, it's being scored, delivered back to me, I'm making changes and it's rolling out at the speed of my development process. Um, so, at the base of what we're doing, when you think about where we're at, it's it's really about taking content and stream of characters 
extracting that content, um, finding the context of that, identifying um, your tokens, either at the word level or at the sentence level, and then adding in the linguistic data underneath that um, around morphology and compound analysis to understand what's in the content that we're, we're looking at, identifying terminology and, and variant detection, and then laying patterns on top of that, our proprietary secret sauce, to be able to provide back that feedback of whether or not your content is correct on character, on tone, on terminology. Uh, and then it, that feeds back to users in the form of guidance. Interesting. So it guides the people who are creating the content, doesn't necessarily generate the content for them. We don't override and we don't write. Um, right. Because our customers, um, if you think in terms of who our customers are, um, our customers tend to be the largest technology companies in the world. So think top 20 global technology companies, almost every single one of them uses Acrolinks. And a, a piece of guidance might be useful. It might be on purpose. So as an example, when I write through my system and I write the word software, it says, are you sure you didn't mean platform? And why does it say that? Because in my world, if we're talking about our product, I don't want my employees to call it software, it's, it's platform. It's an extensible platform with integration pieces and an API. I don't want to sell it as software, but I might have meant to say software. So I don't want to, I don't want to enforce that rule. I want to provide guidance. And if you agree with that guidance, you implement that guidance. We have the technology to override that, but in almost every case, that doesn't make sense to the customer. So is the uh, input for the content, is it, um, is it spoken or written or all of the above? All of the above. So we can take in, I mean, there's a number of ways to teach the platform to be your editor. Um, one is to pull mass quantities of content. Give me all your great content. What does it look like? Identify what you think is good. And we're going to read through that. And the system will read through all that content and start generating guidelines based on what you believe is great content today. Um, there's also the ability to just go in and into our interface and set guidelines. So you can set a tone of voice. You can identify how lively you want your content to be. There are challenges to all of those methods because over time you're going to learn more. And that's part of what I've really been aiming to um, evolve with the product is Gartner, um, the analyst firm, has said that 50% of, of marketers, people that set the company voice are, I don't think this is the word they use, but I will use guessing. I have a good idea of what my audience wants to hear. So I define my tone of voice. I define the words that I'm going to use. I, I think I know what people want to hear. And if I use Acrolinks, go ahead and I take all that information that I've gathered and I teach Acrolinks to, to help create content like that. And the output of Acrolinks is, is an Acrolinks score. So you're aiming for 100. Most customers are aiming for 80. Um, you want to be 80 or better. 80 means good. 90 means done. Numeric value of, of good and done. So no subjectivity. It's just, it is what it is. This is either on my guidance or it's not on my guidance. And if I get 100 Acrolinks score on a piece of content, well, by God, that's going to perform fantastically. It's exactly what I think my audience wants to hear and how I think they want to hear it. The important word in there, though, is I think. I think that. Where I want to aim to get to is the ability to create a feedback loop for my audience. So think in terms of uh, support tickets. 
Um, I'm using Aquilinks to create support tickets. I'm scoring very highly. I'm putting those support tickets out. People are using them and they're failing on whatever it is they're trying to fix. Why? Can you tell me why? Can we gather why first? Is there a way to systematically take in the why? But if there isn't, I don't know, happy face, sad face like at the airport. Are you happy with this or aren't you? And if you're not, why? Is it a clarity issue? Did you not understand the words? Were we using words that you've never seen before? What? Give me some reasons. And then I can start gathering data to feed back into Acrolinks that takes us from being strategy aligned, I think, to audience aligned. They want. And as that as our software moves more in that cyclical process, you don't need to know what your audience wants to hear and how they want to hear it. They'll tell you. And that's what I that's the thing that I'm most excited about right now is being able to to evolve towards that world. This product um, has been in a state of evolution since about 2002. Um, I joined the company in, in 2017 um, to move us into a, sort of a wider market space. And uh, this is, I think that's one of the most exciting things for me uh, right now is, is seeing how we can bridge that gap from going from, I believe, to they want. Interesting. So it becomes kind of a virtuous feedback loop. Yep. Um, and it becomes, dare I say, a data-driven process um, because you know, documentation, my experience on software products is that um, documentation tends to be done last. Maybe even, Andy, after, after testing and after security, maybe, <laughs> if testing yeah, is done agreed. intentionally. So I like yeah. the idea of kind of making this rather as a, from a so kind of subjective thing to this objective, are you meeting the customer needs? Because I think we can all empathize with the idea that we've all read instructions that quite frankly stink. Um, the trampoline instructions were just got awful. <laughs> I mean, like, and like, I like to think I'm a smart guy. I like to think I'm a smart guy, but like, you know, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually ended up going to YouTube to find a couple of videos where somebody else built it and kind of had the same problem. So, you know, and we've all, we've all had that experience with like just awful instructions. So I, I like the idea of, you know, if they had a, I, maybe they do have a website I didn't check, but um you know kind of just saying like you know this is what worked this is what didn't I, I like that yeah i mean think in terms of like we have a a major motorcycle manufacturer here in the us mm -hmm. and they create a multi hundred page user manual and from a consistency standpoint when you are hiring people that are within your motorcycle culture that use certain words i'll say on the street to identify pieces of a motorcycle, and then they come to work and create this manual. How are you ensuring that you're using consistent terminology through hundreds of pages and hundreds of writers, all who say things in different ways about the same thing? So if it's something as simple as, this is how you connect the battery. And anytime we talk about connecting the battery, we use this language and then governing that over hundreds of pages and hundreds of writers. That simple example is, the basis of, of what makes this really interesting, that consistency built into your process so that if you're a coffee maker and you're doing training for um, your baristas, language matters. Like a latte is a latte. It's, it's not a flat white. 
It's not an Americano. Right. Don't confuse your terminology. Uh, but at the top of the hierarchy, what if we all spelled the name of the company right? Like, what if everybody that wrote at this company spelled the company right or or used the right name? If you're American Express, are you Amex? Are you American Express? Are you AE? And if everybody does it just slightly different, you have no consistency and you have no brand voice. So just those simple ideas, that's a, that's a guideline. So then you move from there. What else would you do? If you could make sure that everybody creates a piece of content with the right name spelled correctly, what else would you do? And that's where this gets really interesting because you start thinking in terms of, well, I sell really weird niche, pro niche products that people, I can't hire people that know about it to come in and write about it. And I had a customer that was in the insurance space and sold um, insurance for equine husbandry. I said, I can't hire people that walk in here knowing how to write about that. Okay, first you need to tell me what that means. And then he told right. me, and I was like, oh, cool, I get it. Um, and then two, I, I see what you're saying. So by teaching the system to identify terminology, match that terminology and look for correct terminology, I can create content in domain without domain knowledge. And that starts to change the game on how you hire, how you onboard, and, and the value of your employee base. So as a city boy from New York City, um, assuming equine husbandry means horse breeding. Yes. Good. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, one of the things this reminds me of is uh, a very important field uh, or part of a field in, in managing data. And we call it the overarching piece as data stewardship. And that has a lot of facets. One of them is master data management where when we say something or when we more importantly name a field or column in a table somewhere that we use a name that everybody understands and that the entire enterprise agrees, oh, that's what's in that particular column. And it turns out that it sounds simple. It really does. It's like really, you know, this is how, how hard can it be? But I remember a conversation once about what does a day mean? And it meant different things, depending on which department. And in some cases, you have to create these, these dictionaries that say, you know, in the sales department, a day means this. In the software development department, a day means that. And it's very much this uh, intra-enterprise uh, intra communications process. And it sounds a lot like what you guys are doing, except you're adding some automation to it. You're applying AI. You're looking for that consistency, which is really where master data management serves well. So I absolutely uh, love that. Now, one of the questions that I have is, is there a generic set of rules that applies kind of as a baseline? Everybody, when they start using uh, your product, uh, they they inherit this baseline or is it completely blank and everybody has to code it up so you can you can turn it on and use um you know standard style guideline um ap okay. strunk and white whatever um as the basis of what you do but the the value of the product is making it your own and that's where i mean if in a future world turn it on with a base guideline set and let the audience teach you. And you build up over time the, the guidelines for your audience. Today, gotcha. it's about doing that capture to be able to pull all that information in and make that usable guideline set. 
So a question, follow up about that audience feedback. There's some notorious anecdotes about um, people creating bots in social media and having the bots go sideways based on feedback. Is that a worry? Is that a concern? It's it's something that we've talked about for years, actually. Um, it's been a big part of the way that we've communicated, even even at the investor level, about what we do. There's always that risk with AI that it goes full sideways. Um, and because of the audience that we're working with from a customer standpoint, uh, because it's an enterprise pitch and not a consumerized pitch, we think that it's, it's less likely to be a, a major challenge. And most importantly, we're not, we're not, making those changes for our customers. We're not forcing them. It is just guidelines. So if you start to see guidelines that are things Squirrely. that you wouldn't want, right, right. Um, you, w- you wouldn't have to act on them. I mean, right now what we're seeing is um, you know, things like inclusive language. Um, this has become a, a very important aspect of what the enterprise is dealing with. Everybody has a diversity and inclusion officer within their organization. Everybody wants to be better. And it's not just about you know using a, a database on a website that tells you things that you should and shouldn't say. It's also about providing education for your, your end users, for your writers, for your employees, so that they understand why. Because not all of this inclusive language process is intuitive. Um, there are things that we say that none of us would ever have any idea where they come from, what the basis of those are. Um, you know, things like uh, peanut gallery or or even saying something isn't up to par from an inclusion standpoint, not everybody golfs and might not know what you're talking about. So being able to not only say, here's a thing that maybe you would like to remove from your content, but here's some reasons why. And what we would expect is over time, and what we're starting to see with our, our customers is that over time, people don't need the guidance for specific terminology as much because they've learned that, oh, I had no idea that was insensitive. Cool, I'm just right. not gonna do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's AI actually teaching real intelligence to be more uh, sensitive. It's a bit like guardrails then, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, you know, so you know what you're saying. and. I like the fact that, you know, it's still up to a human judgment to make that decision. Yeah. Because I think I mean, it also... It, this is still... It's still an art. There's still art right. in this. I need to leave that in. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, at this point, this is where we do the uh, pre-canned questions, which should have been attached to the invite. Yep. Uh, awesome. And um, given that we're having issues with our... Uh, our audible sponsorship because i think for some reason it got the url changed so i don't know if we're gonna ask that one <laughs> yeah we can talk about that later. right uh, um, yes it changed so they changed the url on us and the whole program on us maybe <laughs> there was an email sent maybe we missed it who knows they could <laughs> they could use acrolinks anyway yes um <laughs> How did you find your way into this kind of data and AI or data-driven marketing? Like, or did you find data or did it find you? Um, I got confused um, way back in 2003, actually, uh, when I found myself in my first AI company. Um, and interestingly, it wasn't one that you mentioned because nobody would mention it. It was Model Golf. Um, Model Golf was a, a golf training software company. And um, the basis of this technology was a composite, the gathering of, of 2,000 segments of an individual two-second golf swing 
across hundreds of top golfers to create a single individual composite that eliminated each one of their individual weaknesses to create the perfect golf swing. And then we would overlay that golf swing over a golfer to improve their golf game. Um, the technology was amazingly complex and it's just this huge system that had been built up over years. Um, I didn't know any of that until I just happened across that business um, joining uh, with a VC that had purchased that business. Um, coming here to Acrolinx, uh, I knew exactly where I was going, so I didn't really trip into it here. Um, this is a huge need in, in my world, um, coming from international software companies where your greatest content creation minds um, are not necessarily the best writers. Um, the editorial process is super painful and um, identifying Acrolinks as an answer to that. It's kind of like that hair club for men thing. I'm not just the president, I'm a customer. Um, I mean, I, I use this product every day. My team couldn't live without the product we, we built. Nice. Eating your own dog food, I think is a, is a powerful metaphor. Um, which may so that, which may or may not be understandable to your audiences. So that maybe may that would be, be flagged. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what a dog is. Right, <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, or just like who would eat dog food? Like Dana, there, there's I mean, I mean, there's a lot of art in language, you know, uh -huh. um, and there's a lot of kind of uh, what's the fancy word for it? Illusions. And kind of subtle references that not everybody would get and then as you kind of deal with you know different cultures i mean you know you can't write just because it's in english doesn't mean it'll be uh intelligible by someone in um japan or um you know indonesia like it's just yep. you know so well, and that's one of the things that we do as well is be able to take all of this content strip it down to, to source content for translation right have it translated somewhere and then take it back through Acrolinks and put back in some sense of, of voice and guidelines in that foreign language. So that I, if you're creating something that's cool here and I want it to be cool someplace else, their definition of cool is probably fairly different than ours. So being able to translate that base thing, take it from flowery language down to source content and then bring it back to localized flowery content is, is another thing that we do. I remember when I when I worked for a large German bank, there was an English translation uh, for like a recruiting website, and I read it. And while it was mechanically correct, I mean they use phrases that no American would know. Like you know, in in Germany, cell phone would be handy, so they're like they wrote yeah. like keep your handy handy. Like what does that even mean? Like you know, it's adorable. It, it's though. just like it is adorable, <laughs> but like it's just kind of like. Well, what do you mean you don't call it a handy? You only call it a cell phone. Well, can we call it a mobile phone? Like, yeah, no one really uses it. I mean, they'll understand it, but that, I mean, that sounds awkward. Mm -hmm. I get Absolutely. it. Yeah, there's this old anecdote. I mean, old, like back from when, the, when the years began with the one where the early, early attempts at automating translation. And um, there's an anecdote that said they, fed into the machine, you know, something in English, had it translated to another language, I believe it was actually Russian. And then they had that output translated back into English to test and see. And I think they skipped the step where they took it from flowery or, you know, metaphorical down to the basics, the both ways. And they put in the flesh is, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it went to Russian, and then it came back as 
let's see, the vodka is good, but the meat is rotten. That's what I believe it is. Yeah, and you can see kind of how that it. went, but it's it's like Frank's mechanical translation, you, you know. But it's fascinating adding that step. I I can't imagine number one how difficult that is, and and, and number two just the amount of metadata you've got swirling around about expressions in other languages that you can then substitute to add the flower read back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big process um, to be able yeah. to do that. I mean, all of these things, words, language, um, English is difficult enough. Now go and do it in German, go and do it in Japanese, um, Scandinavian languages. Um, it's, it's a fun challenge to be a part of. Sounds like it. Speaking of fun, there's actually a subgenre of videos on YouTube I've seen where they'll take a song and translate it back and forth on Google Translate between different languages until it kind of stops changing. And then hmm. they'll sing that. One of the ones, uh, and maybe we'll put it in the show notes if I could find it, is um, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air translated like 50 times from English to Mandarin, then to Spanish and back to English, something like that. And it just sounds like so bizarre. It's kind of like, there's like a sentence or two, like, oh, I can see where that kind of makes sense. But it was just, it's just funny. And I think it shows kind of an extreme example, but a funny example. Yeah. Hello, Bailey here. I just wanted to make sure that our loyal listeners knew about Frank and Andy's new podcast about quantum computing. It's called Impact Quantum, and it helps data and software engineers prepare for the coming quantum computing revolution by bringing in the best minds in the field and having them explain the what's and the why's of this new technology. Sure, Frank and Andy are the hosts there, too, but I am also part of the show. So, if you can't get enough of me, rest assured that I do the voiceovers there as well. Now back to Christopher Willis. So our second question is, uh, what's your favorite part of your current gig, Chris? I mean, I think it's the company that I work for. I mean, this is an interesting place because we are NLP and there is a lot of language and art within this. It doesn't feel like your average software company. We hire a very diverse uh, employee base of, of skills that most companies don't have. Um, and one of the things that we did during the, the, the COVID period was create this um, weekly coffee matchup. And you get matched with somebody in the company most likely that you don't know. And having conversations with, with the scope of people that we have in the organization has been really interesting and, and fun because I wouldn't run into that in my past experiences. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get at a mobile cloud testing company. Um, or a mobile app development firm. But here, um, just the diversity level of the people that I work with is really awesome. Cool. So we have three uh, fill-in-the-blank questions. Complete this sentence. When I'm not working, I enjoy blank. Uh, coaching CrossFit. I'm a, co I'm a CrossFit coach. Oh, interesting. Cool. Very, Very cool. cool. Our next one is, I think the coolest thing in technology today is blank. The rise of content intelligence. Um, so being able to make all of this more valuable from a use standpoint. Um, it's another area that we're leaning into, but there's a lot of companies in that space that are making content, ensuring the content is valuable 
in its use. So you're spending a lot of time and energy creating it. It's doing anything. Interesting. Our final completed sentence is, I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. Oy. Um, any number of things. Um, right now, it's probably, um, and, and I bet there are solutions out there that do some of this, but be able to foresee my, my analytics needs and actually build reports for me the way that I need them to be built. I'm having a huge problem hiring uh, an analytics leader for my um, operations team. It's uh, very difficult. So if we could just have something that knew exactly what I wanted and built me reports on it, that'd be really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so our next, uh, not a fill in the blank, is share something different about yourself, but we remind people we're trying to keep our friendly, family friendly rating here. So, <laughs> so I have a tail. Um, no, uh, don't have a tail. Uh, I think I think the difference about me is, uh, and this is the question that comes up the most when I talk to the media, is how are we even talking to you? I have a theater degree from a liberal arts college. Um, I, I went off to college to be pre-med. Biology was at 8 a.m. my freshman year. That didn't really match with my new lifestyle in college. <laughs> and um, and, and I, I had done some theater in high school and thought I should devote the rest of my life to the stage. And I realized waking up, um, you know, sophomore, junior year, oh, no, what have I done? Um, but I corrected it. Right. So the second half of junior year into senior year, I backed it up with a minor that would at least help me get a real job, you know, philosophy. Um, <laughs> so a very so noble helpless, pursuit, though. helpless as I was, as I was um, coming out and being able to use the skills that I acquired in college to actually a get a job and then be, su be successful in that job, um, I think makes me a bit different than a lot of my peers who come out of uh, de uh, degree programs around engineering um, that are coders that become marketers. In, in my peer group here in Massachusetts, almost all of the CMOs in equivalent companies have technical backgrounds. I owned a Commodore 64 in 1983. Nice. But that's that was as technical as I got. I had to learn well, I a lot. I... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I can see those both of those aspects playing into it theater being you know all about communication i mean that's that's huge in marketing and then philosophy well i i think it's a good bedrock to base anything you know anything that requires understanding and then couple those two together i i remember a scott adams book where he talks about aligning different skills and how when you get like two different skills together they create this this really nice, um, I don't know the right word, but a, a very nice combination at least. And I can see both of those fitting well uh, into marketing, especially which you, you're doing now with AI and communication. The, the theater aspect of it, so I didn't act. I'm not a great actor. I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, so I directed for four years. And what I took away from that, that I now it defines me uh, in my role, is you have to cast the right people. That's the first thing. Um, you're not on stage, they're on stage. You need to provide them with the right context, blocking, prioritization to be able to do their job. And then you need to get out of the way. And your only job is to help to keep them 
on script or uh, on 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 the on the words in the right places breaking down barriers to make them more successful and then you just got to believe that they're going to do what they they said they were going to do and that's very much how i manage today i can't micromanage i don't want to i don't have the time to i'm doing other things so right. i need to put the right people on the stage i need to give them priorities i need to make sure that they have everything they need to be successful and then i need to let them do their job and that's gotten me the ability to hire people that i never should have been able to hire at the companies that i've worked at from much larger companies because they know that they're going to come to this company and be able to do all the things they've always wanted to do and that's it's helped me get really great teams in place very interesting. nice interesting uh and where can folks uh learn more about you and uh your company um so i'm on i'm on linkedin um at cp willis um and then acrolinks is www.acrolinks acrolinx.com um all of our information is there um or you can Find me through any number of socials, I'm sure. Okay, but make sure you use Christopher P. Willis. The singer is not me. Singer is not <laughs> you, nor is the vineyard um, person. No, but God willing, <laughs> things work out. <laughs> um, and uh, do you do audiobooks, uh, or can you recommend a good book for our audience? Um, I well, so. So I do, but the last one that I listened to, God, what was it? Um, you know the guy that wrote The Martian? Yes. Um, uh, is it Andy Weir? Yep. It is Andy Weir. Um, Andy Weir just released a new book um, called Hail Mary. Okay. Um, the guy wakes up on a spaceship. I, he thinks he's on a spaceship um, in the middle of space along with two dead bodies, and he has no idea how he got there. That's all you need to know. I I didn't read The Martian. Um, I was on a road trip with my dad uh, last year during the pandemic, um, and he popped that into uh, the. I'll echo Andy's sentiment, and I'll let the nice British lady end the show. All right, cool. I'll definitely put that on my list. And um, well, Audible is kind of sort of a sponsor, but we don't have a link right now because they changed the platform on us. Um, that is in progress right now. So hopefully by the time this show gets published, uh, that'll be fixed. And um, if that is the case, we'll have uh, Bailey kind of explain that. So with that, anything else you'd like to add, Chris? Nope. Good. Awesome. Uh, Andy? I'd just like to thank you, uh, Chris, for being on the show, taking time out of your day. Um, Fantastic. I won't speak for Frank, but I had a great time. I learned stuff. Always love it when I learn new stuff. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.